This is the Milo Beasley Show. This is the Milo Beasley Show. There's only one thing you need to know. This is the Milo Beasley Show. And now, here's your host, Milo Beasley. And welcome to the Milo Beasley Show. I'm super excited today. It's not every day you get to talk to an Emmy Award winner. So uh, let's go ahead and, and, and get right into things. Please help me welcome at this time, Kara Reed Lorsch. How are you doing today? Hey, Milo. How are you? I am doing, I'm doing pretty good. Where are, so whereabouts are you? Are you in California? I am. I'm in Los Angeles. I'm in Hollyweird. Hollyweird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been there a couple times, not too like visiting, like doing tourist stuff, taking pictures of all the buildings and the Kodak Center or whatever. So the Walk of Fame. Yeah, of course. Of course. Got to, you know, get your picture and your the handprints and all that stuff at the Chinese theater. Yeah. Uh, so normally uh, whenever I, I, I bring a guest on and I ask, hey, what'd you do over, you know, the the quarantine during the pandemic? Did you make banana bread? Did you binge watch Netflix? But you went out and filmed a movie. Oh, yeah. I went to Malta and I filmed a mainstream full-length feature movie in Malta that's coming out October 14th. Just yes, in time for my Love birthday. on the Rock, there it is. Yeah. I mean, filming in Malta? What the? Do you, you even know where Malta is? I mean, it's it's this little country. It's called The Rock is its nickname, which is why the movie is called Love on the Rock. And it's an action, action adventure uh, movie. And my friend David A.R. White, who's the star of the movie, I had just done a movie with him called Beckman, which is out everywhere now. I play the... Um, Soccer mom by day and the human trafficking assassin by night to his hero, good guy, Beckman. And he said, hey, Kira, can you be in Malta in three days? And I said, yes. And I figured out the rest. But they had changed from the lead bad lady being a woman surrounded by henchmen right. to a lead bad guy played by my friend, Stephen Bauer. And they wanted to surround him with some bad, you know, girl Fridays, you know, hench women. So I tested the next day. I got on a plane and was shooting a movie in Malta. I have a really fun small part, you know, playing with the, with the, the, the boys in Malta. And um, I had an amazing adventure. I left the couch and shot an action movie. And my my uh, birthday is October 13th. So we're having the premiere party slash my birthday party at the Universal Hilton on October 13th for my birthday for the movie coming out on the 14th. So it's very exciting. That is great. Well, happy birthday to you. Thank you. Uh, so did when you went when you went to Malta, um, did you have to like quarantine for two weeks before you filmed or did you were you able to go straight into filming we were able to go straight into filming if we tested negative so to uh, get on the plane you have to right. test negative and then you get to malta they put you in your room and you test again and as soon as you're negative you are brought into the herd the crew the cast and crew that all kind of stays cocooned together right so you're not 
interacting outside, which is hard to do because we're staying in a hotel. So you're still dealing with other people. They had a, a super mask mandate, you know, as a nation before we did. So that's why they were able to shoot. I can't go to the Valley to shoot a movie in the pandemic yet. I can go to Malta. Like it right. made no sense, but it was beautiful. They shoot game of Thrones there. They I was going to say, where would you, where would you rather go though? I, I, totally. <laughs> like I want to go to Malta. And it was gorgeous and the food was incredible. And we were at this beautiful hotel. On our day off, we went to the Blue Lagoon, like where they shot the movie, The Blue Lagoon. Right. And this is a Christian themed, you know, some faith based things in here. So to be at the cradle, in the cradle of Christian civilization, where like St. Peter's Pool actually is, we went swimming in St. Peter's Pool, you know, like the real one. Right. It's incredible. That, I mean, that's, it sounds like a, a dream come true to be able to be like, oh, I'll just go work over and, you know, just hang out. Yeah, it was like, you know, this is why I love my job because it really isn't work. And, you know, it's taken me a long time to get here. I started off as a child actress doing like the local TV commercials and modeling school. And then I, I worked my way through college doing extra work in the movies and on TV. Like I got my first line on the original 90210. I've been a PA. I've swept floors. I've had day jobs. I worked as a waitress and a busser and a cocktail waitress and a bartender. You know, and it, you know, it right. takes, and people are like, oh, you, you've had such an amazing career in life. I'm like, yeah, because I've been doing it for 30 years, <laughs> you know, right. so a long haul. What made you want to do that from the start? What made you want to get in that, into acting from the start? You know, they say, don't go into show business unless you can't do anything else. And that was kind of my thing. Like I just always, I, I would watch TV and I said my, to my mom, like, how do I get in the TV? I want to be on TV. How do I do this? So she, within a small town in Northern California and then my step family in Louisville, Kentucky, I did everything at my, in, you know, I did the dance recitals and the school plays and the local modeling school. And I was never pretty like the models. I'm five foot three and like I'm the skipper to the Barbies, I always say, you know what I mean? Right. So I never Never would have thought I would have a big break working for Playboy. And I worked for 12 years at Playboy. They cast me in some things as like the friend of, you know, the, the lead hot girl. I was the comic right. relief or something. And then they used me as a reporter. Hi, I'm Kira Reed here and wherever, wherever, whatever, doing crazy things that I worked on and then wrote and produced for and learned how to be a television producer, which I've now won Emmys for. But it's a, you know, it's, you never, you can plan out what you think your, your career is going to be or your life is going to be, but like God has another plan. <laughs> like some of it's what you never would have expected. And, you know, those are the gifts that we get. And, you know, I'm just grateful and humbled that, you know, Hollywood has embraced me and I'm still working at <laughs> years old. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, did you, did you catch any flack? Did you get any feedback of saying, oh, you'll, you'll never work in Hollywood if you, if you do the Playboy TV stuff? Yeah, I just, you know, I wasn't really working in Hollywood anyway. I was working as a waitress and, and you know, an extra. So I'm like, at 25, I didn't even go into Playboy till I was over the hill and graduated from UCLA School of Theater, Film and Television. So it's not like I was just like some like, you know, girl right. that, that, you know, and that's, she did Playboy and then, you know, 
I used it as a stepping stone at stone and I took the power that that gave me. I took the opportunity that that gave me. And yeah, you, you have to own it and you have to feel be comfortable that that was something that was okay with you. But let me tell you, I was at UCLA. I did my first trip over to Europe um, when I was 24 years old. And I had just, when I auditioned for this Playboy movie that I didn't know what it was, it just said um, actors and models wanted for a movie that shoots in um, Hawaii for three weeks, in Maui. <laughs> and I'm like, Playboy's doing a movie in Maui for three weeks? Well, and, and it's, I talked to the casting people and they're like, well, you have to be comfortable. There may be some nudity in your role. And I said, well, I just got back from my college trip to Greece where I was topless on the beach the whole time. Like that's what people do. Like it wasn't something that I was uncomfortable with. It was something that I used that I had <laughs> to like get in and right. then, you know, half liked me and they, they hired me as a writer and producer and, and, you know, a host for years and years and years, half's daughter, Christy signed my check. So it wasn't like I was a crack whore. Right. And my friend, you know, I was a respected member of the Playboy family. You know what I mean? So, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, there, there's levels of things that you can do. And um, I chose my comfort zone. <laughs> right. And and then again, you used that background, that experience that as, a, mm -hmm. as a, you know, like you said, as a writer, as a producer, you know, to, to leverage yeah. jobs later on. And, and I think that's, I think yeah. that's uh, amazing. And it's not that there's anything wrong with being, nope. you know, <laughs> if that's good for you. Right. No, I, I, I agree for anybody. <laughs> right. No, I, I agree. But you know, it's some people, you know, again, are say, Oh, you'll never work in Hollywood if you do that stuff or, you know, um, well, then, you know, who made them the, the king of, or queen of Hollywood? You know what I mean? So 100%. And also look at all the people like Pamela Anderson or um, Jenny McCarthy. I was in the magazine as an actress in Playboy um, 1996 and Jenny McCarthy was on the cover. And I used the, uh, them as role models of how you can, you can, you can go to wherever you want to be. You know, you got It's like when you're paddling the boat and it's like, Oh no, no, you don't save me. Don't give me a role because I'm waiting for the, the next role to come. And then it, it may never come. Right. So you kind of have to, make a decision at the time like take what you're being offered um and make that your lifeline absolutely uh, i, I want to go back to love on the rock real quick uh -huh. um because in the uh and now i'm doing jesus movies so you know <laughs> <laughs> full circle full circle <laughs> but i noticed that john lovitz was credited in the did you get to did you get to hang with john lovitz in malta I've been hanging with John Lovitz at the Playboy Mansion for years. He actually didn't shoot in Malta. His part was cast after because, again, that part, you know, was maybe going to be a woman, and then they cast right. it later. We shot on a set here in in Los Angeles, so he didn't actually come to Malta as part of our group. But it was me, the director Matt Shapira. Um, my friend Vincent DePaul, who introduced me to this whole group. So it was kind of a little family. Um, David right. A.R. White and I are like brother and sister buddies, you know. So it was a, a sweet little family. And Stephen Bauer, who's been my friend for over 20 years, you know, in Hollywood and around from Scarface and Ray Donovan and, you know, Stephen Bauer. But um, he's going to be here for my birthday and the premiere. And he was over there in Malta with us. And let me tell you, every night... And Jeff Fahey was there. We'd, we'd be sitting around in the lobby 
and, and Stephen would break out his guitar and we'd all be singing in Hotel California or the greatest hits of, you know, that Stephen Bauer knows. And it was such a great time. So John Lovitz missed out. He should have been in Malta with us. It he's sounds like guy. he missed out. Yeah. Next, he, next time for the sequel, he's going to be like, hey, make sure you fly me out to Malta. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Uh, so on my on my notes, I you know I I mentioned that you're an Emmy Award winner, and then I I, I says I have a sentence that says where do you keep your Emmys? But I guess I really don't need to ask that question, huh? I like to do my 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 interviews in my since we're doing so much from home now. I just come to my home office where I've tucked away for the most part in the back of my office all my Emmys and awards and family film awards and philanthropy things. You know the eight the Emmys are from the Bay the series which is on Amazon Prime streaming. Right. I play Joe Connors. Of course I'm the bad guy. You know I'm I'm the madam of the underworld. But you know. Why not? I mean, you know, you know, what a fun role to play, you know. I, I prefer playing the bad guy. Take over you know. society by, you know, running the mob and the girls and all of that. But, um, yeah, I keep them here to remind me that um, I've, I've, I've come a long way. Absolutely. And you, 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 you won them as a producer, but you've also been nominated as an, as an actress, as an yeah. actor, like that's, was, yeah, that's got, Nominated. that's got a, the, the feeling of being like, okay, well, you know, I, I, you know, be, being behind the scenes, but being on camera and still getting that recognition, that has to be uh, an immense amount of pride. Yeah. I, I've always had a lot of gumption and, you know, a lot of attitude and a lot of like, you know, drive and all that, but I, I, I'm not Meryl Streep, okay? <laughs> I've got a good energy. I sort of show up and can do my thing and have my shtick and know my lines. But like when people are like, oh no, you're, you're a really good actor. That just feels good. And it's also what, what I love, you know, when I studied acting and, you know, I do take it seriously most of the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I try not to take it too seriously and have fun yeah. with it at this stage of the game. But, um, and it's more about, you know, the people I get to work with and the places I get to go and, you know, but it is, it's about the script and the work and, or taking a little something and making, fleshing it out and making it into something bigger. And um, to be recognized as best supporting actress for Joe Connors on the Bay is, is fantastic. And I've never been on a, a soap opera. Like most of the people that get nominated for a daytime Emmy are like on General Hospital, Days of Our Lives, The Bold and the Beautiful, or The Young and the Restless. Right. You know, so to be even be in, be in there, you know, ether with these grand dames of drama, you know, who are so fantastic and just ooze, you know, actress, you know, I get to hang with those ladies, you know, so that's, that was really fun. Uh it's, it, it, it sounds fun. Do you, do you prefer being behind or in front of the camera? Totally different animals. And some, and a lot of times I'm both because you can't expect like to be discovered at the soda fountain these days and just be put in a movie. It's like, you've got to be creating your own content, writing your own stuff out there, networking. Like the reason they called me to go to Malta to do love on the rock is because they knew me. They knew my work. I, I was an executive producer on Beckman. So they knew, you know, I could, I could hang and solve problems if needed. And I ended up, you know, being a co-producer on the film, you know what I mean? So like, they pick you because you're a good enough actor. You can hang with, with them. They know you and like you. You know what I mean? So it's kind of the whole package. 
but um, producing is very different. And there's all sorts of producers. There's an, you can be an investor producer. You can be a hands-on, do the grunt work producer. You can be like the logistics producer. And I just have a, I'm good at solving problems. I'm good at organizing. You know, I'm, we're, we're all producers of our own life. It's about making things happen, making things happen on a budget, making things happen on time. It's like, just like, if you're good at life, you can be a good producer. But right. as we know in life, sometimes you have to do things you don't want to do. Sometimes it's a lot like work and sometimes you don't want to have to solve another problem. And sometimes you're running out of money and time, you know? So the, the production is definitely more work, but it's, it's rewarding in its own ways. Acting is like the icing on the cake. Your talent, so you're treated the best. <laughs> you know, right. they dress you, they put makeup on you. Like today, I'm like, what am I gonna wear? And I'm figuring out my hair, and this lipstick got smeared, so I have to change my shirt. Like, you don't, you don't have to think about that when you're the actor. Like, here's your beautiful. We have a fitting, and you have a makeup artist, and right. then you go sit around and wait all day, and then you have lunch, and then you re-put your clothes on, and re-put your makeup on, and then you go to set, and they're waiting for you, and they're like, oh, you're so wonderful. You're so glad that you're here <laughs> you know I can right. get treated like you don't get treated in normal life you know like you're the queen of the universe for that minute and you are but you have to be prepared you have to know your stuff you have to show up and do something you know um do your job because all of the t other 40 people on set who have lit you, lit you and have your sound and everything and then you do your little thing and then it's over and then they move on to the next thing but for that 10 seconds, <laughs> right. those two lines, you know, you're, the, you get to be queen of the world. So it's, it's fun. And, you know, and if you're working with people you like, and you're doing something creative, you get fulfilled that way too. Like, oh, you come up with ideas and um, playing it diff differently than you thought it might go depending on who, what actor you're working with and what they're giving you. So it's like, it's, it's, to me, that's the most creatively fulfilling. Right. Uh, now, again, we mentioned Love on the Rock coming out October 14th, but mm -hmm. October, it is spooky season, mm -hmm. Halloween, and you have uh, a, an, another movie that's, that's you know, out for the yes. spooky season. Uh, I have a movie. It's called Amityville Witches, and it's everywhere, video on demand. You can buy it on DVD. You can buy it signed on my website from me. I'm one of three. Oh. Um, there's me, one of three good witches. So we're fighting the evil demons and saving the girls from being sacrificed to the devil, you know? <laughs> so you're, so you're good in this one. Yes. I'm a good witch in this one. And part of it, the reason is, is like, I don't really like all that gore stuff. Like when we were in talks initially, they were like, you might be good for being the, you know, the evil, you know, the evil, um, lady. And I, and I was like, do, uh, I see that I have to sacrifice virgins and slit somebody's throat. And it's like, I, I really don't want to do, I just don't even want to be on set faking it. Like I can't even act it and I don't want to watch it. Right. But if that happens in the movie, I'm going to be the one fighting against it, which is good. I picked that role too, because it looks like there's going to be a sequel to Salem witches. And if I was the evil lady, she'd be dead. Right. You'd be or dead. I wouldn't and then get you, to do the sequel, you don't make the money the on the hero, sequel. So I get to come back. <laughs> So, so, you're not, so you're not into like scary movies or anything like that? I'm just not into the blood and gore. I've died a couple times in movies. I right. did this um, this thing, the Donner Silver Zemeckis, you know, perversions of science. I played a vampire and got stabbed through the heart. 
I think it was Jason Lee and Jamie Kennedy and me. And like, this was a zillion years ago, 25 years ago, whatever. And even that, that was kind of a spoofy one. Um, I didn't like, and then I've been, I was decapitated in a movie by a serial killer and shadow dancer. And I'm supposed to do this, this movie with my friend, Nancy O'Brien, who's a writer director got postponed due to the pandemic, but it's like a zombie apocalypse movie. So I'm going to be fighting off and we don't know if I'm dead or alive and why I'm fighting zombies, but I basically have to be covered in blood and, you know, for like two weeks. And I'm like, hmm, am I upset that this movie got postponed or am I happy this movie got postponed? Like, I want to do my friend's movie. It's a great role. There's a lot going on, but it's also like, I want, I want a good romantic comedy. Give me love on the rock any day. Right. Well, I, I just want to let you know, I'm part of the decapitated in a movie club as well. Oh, you so, are? What yes. movie did you get decapitated in? Uh, I was killed about 15 different ways in a movie called Legend of the Red Reaper, where uh, okay. I was a ton of different characters with makeup and wigs and just, you know, in, in, ma in, in, in movie magic and stuff like that. Now, do you like the horror stuff then? I do. Uh, I, so I... I don't like movies that could be real and, gotcha. and about like the devil, like yeah. no Ouija boards, no exorcisms, mm -hmm. nothing like that. No Amityville hauntings. Yeah. Stuff that could be real. Mm -hmm. I'm out, but like scary movies, you know, scary, Kruger, you know, like I'm like, ah, it's whatever it is, what it is. Okay. Well, I'll look for that one. Legend of the Red Reaper. Yeah. I think it's on the Amazon. I think you can okay. get it on the Amazon Prime. Cool. For Halloween season to go with Amityville Witches. Yes. 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 Uh, so, um, uh, on your, uh, so with this, and I guess with Love on the Rock, your bio says that you're a writer, producer, and stunt woman. And because I did, I did stunts on Legend of the Red Reaper. Mm -hmm. I, I got to know, tell me about these stunts. Uh, which movies, which shows did you do stunts for? Well, part of when I was starting out doing stuff, I would be people's body doubles or stand-ins or stunt. Oh. Like, um, what's a good example? Um, I was, you know, Patricia Arquette in the movie Stigmata. Oh my God, I love Stigmata. Even though, I again, was, it goes against my had, rules. Yeah, she had three stunt doubles. I was one of them. I did a lot of her body work um, and a lot of the stuff, like when she was going through the stigmata and she was bloody and she was right. shot through the hands and there was nails right. and I did her seizure on the bathtub, you know, flailing all over the place. That was me. And then they put her in and get some close-ups on her face. Right. But when they're doing picks up on the legs and under the water and the hair and around... I'm her person so she can get ready for the next scene of acting close up. Right. And they're getting like my feet kicking around. You know what I mean? Right. But I, I get more residuals from that movie still than some of all of the like starring roles in other movies I've done right. because it holds up and it plays everywhere now. And um, I had a really good contract apparently. Thank you to my <laughs> agent. Um I also got to do the love scene with Patrick Muldoon and he was hot stuff at the time on Melrose place and stuff like that. So like, that was really fun for me and to go home and tell all my friends, <laughs> but she was, she was blonde and tatted up in that film. So every day, 
going in for makeup took like four hours and then you sit around in the chair and then all they do is shoot your feet and then you do it again, but you get paid every day and then you get residuals. So it was a really good gig. Um, I also, you know, I, I do gun work and things. So I did, I've done a lot of action movies. They hire me to have a small part in the movie. And then sometimes I'm doing the actually shooting or the running or the stuff, right. for the lead actor. I don't do it as much anymore because my body doesn't want to do it, but like machine guns on tanks and like warriors of the apocalypse. Some of those movies um, that I did back in the day, it's it's really fun to do. I, I Gail O'Grady from um, NYPD Blue. I, I was in NYPD Blue as a character, but I also did. Um, I was the woman having the affair with the detective Ortiz's husband. I, I ended up dead in a bathtub of blood. So another another one that I die in. I'm just tired of dying. I think. But <laughs> but you don't look at Gail O'Grady and look at me and go, oh, she would be her, she's buxom and blonde and all of this, but we were the, about the same size and they put a blonde wig on me and I did some body double work um, for her throughout her you know, career in some of the movies. I got to go to Toronto and hang out on a movie set for her. So she, I would just do the stuff she didn't want to do. <laughs> like walk from the car to inside in the cold. It was cold. It was Toronto. I wouldn't want to do it either, but they're paying me to sit around all day and be you outside. <laughs> okay, I'll do it. <laughs> Fantastic. Another thing that I, that I want to talk about because it's it's really close to me. I, I just lost a, a friend. Oh. But that is your work in the mental health realm. Mm -hmm. How did you get in, involved in in that to, to begin with, because, uh, you know, I think it's a big thing right now. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, especially with the pandemic, things are going mm -hmm. on. It's very easy to get super down and, and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, well, hopefully I won't get too emotional about it. Cause every time I talk about stuff, it's because it's because it's so important. And like you said, during the pandemic, there's a big spotlight on mental health because we've all seen, the, what the pressures of being out of control, being taken out of your environment, being secluded from people um, right. will do. And it does, it, it just shows you how um, important our well being of our mind is. And working for Playboy, we used to say, the, 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 what's the biggest organ you have? And everyone would think it was a sexy thing. It's like, no, it's the brain. It's like, it's, it's, it's the brain is the largest right. organ you have. And we have to make sure that that's healthy and it controls our wants and our desires and, you know, how we function in life. And then if it's distorted, it gets messed up. And I would say that I was drawn to work in mental health because I'm so healthy and I'm the expert on it, but it's the opposite. It's that I've struggled and I just don't think it's uh, for a long time. It's something that, you know, that we're not supposed to talk about. We're supposed to talk about it. That's why there's therapy, you right. know? And so people are being more open about it now than ever. I think that's great. I worked with the Thalians, which was started by Debbie Reynolds and Ruta Lee 70 years ago. Debbie and of course her, her daughter, Carrie Fisher, our princess Leia died on the same day when I was on the board. And I became president of that organization for several years through, through my, till my term was up. And at that point we were moving from general mental health to, to specifics of men and women returning from Iraq and Afghanistan who were blown up physically and UCLA, my alma mater, put them back together 
at UCLA Operation Mend physically, and then we supported mental health programs for those military men and women and their families. So um, it's like, where it's where is it needed most? That seems like a good place to put it, you know? Right. And then I also am part an ambassador for the Imperfectly Perfect campaign, which is uh, started out of Australia and is now like a worldwide phenomenon and just people sharing their stories about whatever struggles they have and how they've overcome them. And I'm really honored to be part of that group and to be able to tell my story and talk about bad times and, um, you know, and overcoming them. And it's a daily process. Like I have to get up and start my day off, you know, praying, doing my affirmations of what a good person I am and I'm worthy and all this stuff. Otherwise I'll spend my whole day beating myself up and getting panicked about nothing and worrying myself crazy, which of course doesn't do any good. So mental health, we all know that's important now. That's good. Yeah. When I was doing my research, I saw, you know, the, the, the imperfectly perfect campaign and I thought it was brilliant. And I definitely wanted to talk to you about it because like you said, it is very important that we talk mm-hmm. about these things and that you do have friends to be able to talk to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, before things get too far. Yeah. And and right now we're all in it together where we've all kind of had, you know, some PTSD <laughs> and several nervous breakdowns over the past year and a half. So, well, yeah. You're not alone. <laughs> 100%, 100%. Um, so, uh, we're going to change gears a little bit. We're going to go into the first of our two mini games here that we have on the Milo Beasley show. There's games? There's games. Oh, goody. The first is called the Milo Beasley show. Frequently asked questions. I'm going to ask you the same five questions. I ask every guest on the show. Okay. All right. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Question number one, who was your first celebrity crush? Sean Cassidy was my first celebrity crush. Okay. I had my mom. I was living in Northern California at the time. To do run, 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 to do run, run. I was in first grade and he did the cover of that song for his Sean Cassidy album. And he was so cute with the blonde feathered hair. I mean, there was David Cassidy fans, you know, from the Partridge family. And then there was Sean Cassidy fans. I was definitely a Sean Cassidy fan. And I would get together the neighborhood girls. This is how early I started. And we would do baton twirling routines to to do run, 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 to do run, run. And I, he was my first concert I ever attended. And oh, I asked great. my birthday that I wanted to see Sean Cassidy. And I was too young to go by myself. So they sent my babysitter with me to the <laughs> Oakland Coliseum <laughs> to see Sean Cassidy. And he had like pink plastic pants that he ripped off you know, over his next pair of leather pants or whatever, like, oh my God. I can tell you, you can still, you're still like visualizing it to this day. It's fantastic. He's a director now. He's still hot. He's like, it, you know, 70 years old or something, but he's still hot. And me. maybe, you, maybe you can work for him. Yeah. I've never worked with him before. Let's put it out there in the Twitter verse the right universe, now. Everybody. We'll put it out there. We're putting it out there today on your show. Question number two, what is your guilty pleasure song? So what song, if it comes on the radio, you are turning it up. You don't care who's around. You're rocking out to it. I want to dance with somebody. I want to feel the heat with somebody. And I love dancing. I can't sing like Whitney. That's for sure. But I love that song and it makes me happy every time I hear it. 
And, you know, I love it that like the 80s are like a thing that's on all the time. Like there's always a, an 80s party or a throwback. Yep. This. So, you know, give me some Michael Jackson and some some Whitney and I'm in tall cotton. But that song, when that comes on, I just want to dance. I I'll, remember I'll dance anywhere. Like I, I remember I, playing I that song on a jukebox, yeah. I think in <laughs> Alabama when I was like super young. So like, yes, I get it. I absolutely get that song. Mm -hmm. All right. So this is a, if you had to, if you had to, your life depended on it, would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? So if you were being attacked, which do you think that you could adequately defend yourself against and win, or at least survive? I would go with the the herd of little horses i could like distract have them chase me trap them get away from them um i'm not sure how i could david and goliath the big duck with the great big mouth like i would i would think i would try to like you know and it would outrun me because even those little duck legs would be bigger than my big legs so That's i true. think i think i could like produce the capture of the little horses better. <laughs> That's the weirdest question I've ever been asked. Well, <laughs> I hope there are no right or wrong answers. Oh, there's zero not right sure or wrong about answer. the answer to that one. Uh, I, a lot of people who pick the giant duck, I think that they've never seen the inside of a duck's mouth before because those are terrifying. Yeah, and that would be a, like a dinosaur coming after you, like Godzilla or something, like the big scary monster. Ah! I can handle a bunch of pretty ponies, you know. <laughs> right. I would like, I would want them as pets. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll make friends. All right. Question number four. What is your favorite movie quote? Ah. I would say sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, sometimes it rains. Think about that. Bull Durham. And it's it's a great philosophy. It's a great movie if you haven't seen Bull Durham. Susan Sarandon, Kevin Costner, Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins, man. Yeah. And it's about love and baseball and the is philosophy. It about love or is it about lust? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So then question number five. Here we go. So fill in the blank. If blank was an Olympic sport, I would win a gold medal. If eating chunky monkey ice cream was an Olympic sport, I would win a gold medal. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that's the best answer I've, I've gotten on this question. Uh, fantastic. So, so chunky monkey is your go-to. Oh, Man, <laughs> this is why I, you know, they people put on the weight during quarantine. You had to go stock up on groceries, so I would get all my favorite things, including my chunky monkey, and I got a little bit funky chunky. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a Rocky Road or, mm. uh, yeah, or like a French, like a nice French vanilla. Like, very nice. Yeah. Very civilized. Kind of basic, yeah. but, you know, a little bit of flavor. Yeah. 
All right, and then the second of our little mini games here okay. is called <laughs> wait, the Milo Beasley more. Show Top Five. Again, there's no wrong answers. Okay, I won't no rack my brain too much. I'm gonna ask you. Don't think. Just a question. Throw. This Another is a don't think. Line. Just a don't think about it. Top five, no particular order. Off the top of your head, you mentioned you like you know you you prefer the romantic comedies over the mm -hmm. horror. So top mm -hmm. five romantic comedies. Well, I would put Bull Durham in there. When Harry met Sally. Um, is Annie Hall a romantic comedy? We'll call it a romantic comedy. Yeah. You can't go wrong with The Holiday, Jack Black, Jude Law, Cameron Diaz, Kate Winslet. Um, let's see. The Proposal is really fun. Made in Manhattan. Have I hit five yet? I yeah, mean, that's I it. That's it. Maybe. Love on the Rock. We have to add that one to the list, but I, that's new. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it to the it'll, classics. Yeah, it'll, <laughs> we have to at least give it a year. Uh, so, uh, so before we wrap up, one, do you have anything else to, uh, to any words of wisdom to our viewers out there who are watching? Who's watching your show? Who's your audience? Is it everybody? Is you know, it? That, so uh, I used to, I used, so here's the thing. I used to be a professional wrestler. Okay. So I have a lot of those fans, those folks as, uh, as viewers. Mm -hmm. uh, I now work for a lot of comic conventions. So people who are mm -hmm. watching celebrity interviews, they're mm -hmm. watching. Uh, and I also, I used to run a Disney podcast, so I think those people might still be watching. Yeah. So it's literally a melting pot of, of folks. Of fun folks and people who are into entertainment and all of that. I think wrestling is one of the purest, most, um, amazing, dramatic storytelling forms of entertainment there is. Um, my stepson um, actually has had a wrestling company, Family oh. Wrestling Entertainment in New York. And um, I've worked with some of the wrestlers who are actors and including in Beckman. Um, and I don't even know their wrestling names because I don't really watch it and follow it. I've seen it, of course, but right. I don't like, I know them at, with their actor names, not their wrestling names. And someone, someone will come up to me and say, you work with Summer Rain or something like that. And I'm like, who? Oh, Danielle. Yeah, she was really good. She was really good in her fight scenes, you know. But right. um, anyway, I love wrestling and I think it's it's a really creative um, art form. And if you're in wrestling or if you want to make movies or if you want to like make cupcakes and open a bakery, it's all the same stuff. It's all right. being creative and doing the work. So I would say whatever your dream is and whatever your your creative ambition is, is just to go for it and do it and keep doing it. And there's so many ways to do it. And if one way doesn't work, you keep going. And if you if you have um, a dream, you know, don't just dream it, do it. It's all about taking the action and being um, persistent and, you know, having a good attitude about it so people like you, <laughs> you know, you know, people will want to come see you and hire you and right. and want you part of your thing if you're a nice person. So, you know, it's it's not brain surgery. Be nice and work hard. <laughs> be nice and work hard. That should really be like that should be everybody's mantra, really, especially yeah. be nice. Just be nice to people. Mm -hmm. It's really not that hard. Yeah, it's free. Be nice is free. Uh, now, where can folks find you? Do what? 
and it makes you feel good. It does. It yeah. does. So where can folks find you on the social medias? All over those social medias when the when Instagram and Facebook aren't down, right? <laughs> this is <laughs> down yesterday. I was like, this is crazy. Like I was like, it's apocalyptic. We social media is down. Thank goodness it's back. And you can find me anywhere at Kira Reed Lorsch. Um, Twitter, Instagram. I've got a Facebook page and a Facebook fan page. You can go to Kira Reed Lorsch fans and follow me there. And um, I'm loving this TikTok. I'm learning how to use it. Um, so, so that's a fun one. I like I'm not so good at it. I've, I try, I try, and then I forget that I have it. And then I'll post like two videos in a row and then forget that I have it for two months or something. Yeah, I can't keep up with the kids, but it's their, 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 their platform is really innate and really easy to use. So it, if I can't edit a video, you know, like in iTunes or something like that, um, I can edit it on TikTok for sure and make a cute little 20 second or, or something. So I played around to make a love on the rock oh. one, which I'm going to post soon. So, That's... and of course you can go to my website, kiraredlorsch.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me and, and, uh, you know, I know good luck is a bad word in, you know, yeah. in the entertainment business, <laughs> but all the best to you and all the best to everybody for uh, Love on the Rock. We'll throw it up there one more time for everyone to see. So make sure you, uh, you, you check it out. It's going to be streaming. Uh, what, how, where, where's it going to be streaming at? Pretty much everywhere? It's going to be everywhere, video on demand in theaters. And then oh, it'll fantastic. Be yeah, it'll be um, released on the same day on, you know, the Amazons and the Walmarts and everywhere on DVD and for download. So and then it'll go, I think, with by Thanksgiving time, it'll be at pureflix.com, the family and Christian streaming platform, Pureflix. Fantastic. And again, everyone go out and check it out. Make sure you say great things about it. So they make a sequel and they, she, and Kara can go back to Malta this time with John Lovitz uh, and he can uh, hang out and, and do all the fun stuff and, and not miss out on it. Again, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Thank you, Milo. Thanks for having me. So fun. And everyone, I will see you guys. Yeah. Next week. Bye. <laughs>